Here's what's coming up on today's show. So many different ways that your boys can go through school and not be in mountains of, of debt. But there is only one way for you to retire, and that's with dignity on your own and what you have saved up. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Ryan Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the wind-up and the delivery. Welcome back in to Perfect Game Retirement. Glad to have you on the show today. I'm Ben George. He's Ryan Ledden over at Black Oak Asset Management there, serving the Atlanta area. Find him online, blackoakam.com. Ryan, what's going on today? Oh, nothing much, man. That's uh, when the show uh, when this show drops, it'll be December, and uh, we'll see how the college football world is shaking out. But um, it's it's been a fun year so far for the dogs. But we'll see if they can we'll see if they can get it get it going. Uh, all this talk with um, <laughs> you being a Bama guy, you you must want to smack Paul Feinbaum in the <laughs> face uh, talking about this dynasty's over. I'm like easy, easy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say this. I'll, I've had this discussion with some people, but I I just feel like for the first time, I feel like I, I actually feel like we're on the the down the downslope of uh, okay of the Saban era. Now, listen, it's still you know next year it's not like he's going to go out and lose four games, um, but I just feel like for the first time it feels like okay there is an end in sight. I don't know. It may still be eight years, you know, but mm-hmm. it, but it might be one of those things where he only wins one championship over eight years where. You know, we become accustomed to you know one every two or three years, so we'll right. see. But Georgia definitely has uh, has kind of established itself as the top team, no doubt about it. And uh, I'm curious to see how the rest of the season plays out because you know how hard it is to win one, but winning back to back is yeah. incredibly difficult. But Georgia seems to be kind of be on the on their way right now. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, what scares me is you know Ohio State's just kind of sitting there waiting in the wing. You know, they just they're not getting. I mean, Ohio State's Ohio State, but they're not getting this large amounts of notoriety or publication they always are going to get it because they're a national brand but you just don't hear a lot about them and that's kind of the same thing when georgia played tennessee everyone talked about tennessee no one was talking about georgia so i didn't feel good about that game but the more the media kept hyping them up i'm like yeah we're gonna we're gonna beat them i yeah. didn't think we we're gonna beat them like that but so it's kind of a similar scenario it's like okay Ohio State's just they got they got the quarterback they got the defense so anyway I, it, that's Anybody can beat anybody. Obviously, Georgia almost freaking lost to Missouri back in you know uh, mm-hmm. in October, and that could have been a disaster. So you just never know in football. Yeah. It's just what makes it so fun to watch. And Ohio State almost lost to Northwestern, so it's like you know. Good point. Again, you just never know. So again, why it's one of the greatest sports, but uh, curious to kind of watch how this thing ends. And you know, listen, I'm, I'm pulling for, pulling for you guys, right? I, I know quite a few Georgia people. So if you guys, if we can't do it, I uh, hope you guys do. So. Uh, there we go. So we'll find out how that un- uh, progresses throughout. But today we're talking about uh, a bunch of different stuff, actually. we got yeah. got a mailbag edition. Uh, we've got a bunch of different questions I want to run through with you. Uh, what I like about it is we're going to cover a number of different financial planning topics. So hopefully something in the show will kind of uh, hopefully pique your interest and maybe answer a couple questions you might have as well. So let's jump right into it and lead things off with Alan, who says, I have two rental properties and both have a mortgage on them. I have enough money and investments that I could pay off both properties, but I'm getting enough in rent to cover the mortgages. So do I even need to pay them off? So great question, Alan. I love real estate uh, as well. Paid for real estate's even better. Obviously, if, if Dave Ramsey was talking to you, he'd, he'd tell you to to pay those off. I think a lot depends on 
how old you are, Alan, what percentage of your assets you would have to liquidate in order to pay them off. I mean, if they're sitting in, if that, those assets are sitting just in cash, I don't know. I might be really tempted to go ahead and pay those things off. Now you can nerd out Alan big time. You can nerd out and go, okay, here's my, here's my interest rates. Obviously if you've had these properties for a while, your interest rates probably really, really low compared to what interest rates have done this, this year. Uh, I mean, I've, I've seen them, you know, more than three uh, X, I guess this year, since I, you know, sign the sign the commitment to build an office. I've seen the rates just continue to to escalate up. I'm like, oh my god! Every time the Fed opens their mouth, you know, it costs me more money. Which again, I get what they're trying to do. So, Alan, a lot depends on how much of your net worth this takes because you don't want to deplete too much of your liquidity because real estate's a great asset, especially if it's income producing, but it's not liquid. Like you can't get your money out. If you do, it's not quick. Obviously, you can sell it, but that could take days, weeks, months. You just don't know. So, Alan, take a hard look at it. And here's one approach I take with some of my clients. If they're talking about maybe paying their house off early, I say, look, you know, depending on your time horizon, but it, usually I like to, it, if you if you have a three or three years or more time horizon, that's where I like to invest money in the market. So I tell people, hey, think about maybe investing in an account like a brokerage account where you build it up and build it up. And, and maybe when it gets to that point where that brokerage account crosses over what you owe on your real estate, you may look at it and go, hey, let's liquidate this account. You may have some tax obligations on the gains in those accounts uh, in the brokerage account, but that may be a good time of, hey, you have an asset in a brokerage account and maybe you wanna pay it off. Well, maybe you don't, maybe you're like, you know what? You know, I have renters in there, they're continuing to pay this thing off, it cash flows well. Um, I kind of like that brokerage account money sitting at two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars now. I like it. I don't want to deplete that account. So it just gives you options. Now, again, if if the cash on hand that you have only takes five or ten percent of your net worth, I'd say just pay the things off because that rental income is going to replenish those accounts really, really quick and then save up enough and go buy another one if you want to. It sounds like you're a real estate guy. Some people don't want to touch it. But real estate's a, a good thing. It's a great inflation hedge. Um, so uh, a lot depends, Alan, but I, I would definitely took the, the final answer should be, does it really take a large percentage of your of your assets? And if it does, just let the renters pay those off. Um, but if it's not a large chunk of your overall net worth or percentage, write a check and pay those off. All right, Alan, great position to be in. Thanks for the question. Good to be thinking that way as well. All right, uh, Ronald's next, who says, I have an after-tax account with some investments that pay really nice quarterly dividends, but those dividends also create a substantial tax bill each year. Should I invest in something different in that account? Not necessarily, Ronald. Uh, again, this depends on if you are if you need those dividends as income. Some people like the dividend income because they take it in retirement and, and use it uh, as they see fit. So yes, those are gonna be tax obligations. Uh, qualify, it depends on what type of dividends they are. If they're qualified dividends, then you pay a much more favorable rate. So those are gonna be long-term capital gains if you've kept the investment 366 days. <laughs> um, anything a year or less, then uh, you, you may pay less uh, uh, higher rates on short short-term rates. but. 
Um, qualified dividends are different than distributions or dividends from um, a real estate investment trust. So that's an investment that kicks off dividends and they're going to be ordinary income. So there's a lot of what ifs, but if you don't need that money, I'm not saying get rid of those investments, but ones that spin off dividends or interest, you may want to put those in qualified accounts like IRAs or Roths. That way the money stays invested in those accounts and it's not triggering a tax bill uh, for you. So if you're working, Ronald, and you don't need that income, maybe, and that's where like, when we work with people, it's not only what you own, it's where you own it. So any interest, which is ordinary income, because interest spins off from bonds and treasuries and things of that nature, that spins off ordinary income. Well, put that in, put that in your IRA, because that's tax deferred, or put that in your Roth. Those you don't pay every single year because it stays in there. Or if you have an annuity, put it inside an annuity. You can do those things if it's invested. But um, if if you do need the income, then keep it in that type of account. That way you can get a check every single month or every quarter. Yeah, sorry, you said quarterly dividend. So every quarter. Um, but a lot just depends on if you need that money, Ronald. And if you don't need it, then just change what account it's in. All right. Thank you, Ronald, for that question. All right. What about this one from Mary? She says, I had kids later in life than most people. So I'm almost 60 and my twin boys will be heading to college in a few months. I really want them to be able to finish college without any huge student loans, but I'm not sure I can pay for both of them to get through school without hurting myself financially. I'd like to retire eventually after all. So which thing should I place a higher priority on their education or my retirement? This is a great question. Come, I come across it all the time, Mary and almost echo the sentiments that Dave Ramsey talks about because it's in his baby steps and it's in a pecking order. Now, I know the baby steps sometimes need massaging and depends on your situation, but retirement comes before kids' education. I know as a mother, you want to take care of your two baby boys, even though they're about to be in college, they're still babies. Um, so you do want to, you do need to take care of yourself first, especially since you had kids older uh, later in life when you're older. So you're almost 60. So your working life, you know, it, it may not be that much longer as far as how much more you're going to work. So you got, you especially Mary have got to put your retirement ahead. There are many ways for your boys to help pay for school. Again, go to a local school that costs less uh, their first couple of years because all of us have to take the same kind of core classes and get those over with. So there's there's an economical way to go to school. The problem is we we don't think about the economics of it when we send our kids to school a lot of times. We just go and go to private schools and do this, which that's fine, but just have a plan for it. Kind of goes back to our last episode of the marathon. You just have to have plans for these things. So they can work, they can apply for uh, financial aid, they can uh, get grants. There's plenty of grants to, to reach out and, and, and scholarships that go unused every single year. So there are so many different ways that your boys can go through school and not be in, in mountains of, of debt. Um, but there is only one way for you to retire and that's with dignity on your own and what you have saved up. Now, if you have a ginormous nest egg, Mary, okay, maybe we flip that around. But in, in your question, you didn't phrase that. So if, you, if you're if you short on where you need to be, that's where an income plan 
will come into play for you, but do not put your retirement ahead. I know you feel the obligation, <clears throat> excuse me, as a mom or as a parent, but you got to put yourself and I always use the analogy of an airplane. Again, when they show those videos, they always show you putting your mask on first and then help. Mm -hmm. Can't go the other way around. So I would do. I would put you first, which I know as a mom, you probably never do. <laughs> uh, put yourself first when it comes to retirement and then your kids' educations after that. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a spot that a lot of people are in right now, Mary. So great question and one that a lot of people have to uh, really contemplate. So thanks for asking that. All right, Dana is next up. Says, my husband and I are getting divorced and deciding how to split up our assets. He'll owe me about 200000 I could take that from his 401k or just take that amount from cash in our money market account. What should I choose? I hate to keep saying it depends, yeah. Dana, but it, it really does. It depends on the need. If you do need short-term cash flow, because obviously a divorce is, is, a, is a tough thing to go through, but it's a financial transaction. It is what it is. So it, it really it depends on what your situation is from a liquid cash standpoint versus your retirement assets. Obviously, that liquid cash you have on hand, it's yours. If you need it, you can use it. Uh, so it depends on other assets. It depends on real estate. Do you have a house that you're selling? Do you have a mortgage payment you're going to need to do? So I guess one question I would have for you, Dana, too, and I know you can't respond because you're listening in, but is there a way that can be split itself? Can can the can it be a hundred k out of your out of your husband's four hundred one k in a quadro and a hundred k in cash? That may be that may be a solution. It depends on the divorce decree. That obviously it sounds like you may have to have a have to choose one or the other, but it, it depends on you, Dana. If you feel like you got you know a, a good emergency fund in place, the next six months covered, uh, you may want to do the. IRA, because that can be all tax deferred money uh, and, and it grow tax deferred for a long period of time. Now, if it's all pre-tax money, you'll have to pay tax later on it. Um, but again, that cash on hand, if you need a new car or you got to pay debts off or, you know, wh whatever the situation is, you may need that 200 and K to, excuse me, 200 K in cash. So a lot depends. Uh, but, but one maybe middle ground is maybe split those two in half and see if you can get a hundred and a hundred in each one of those. Yeah, it's a good good approach to it, Dana. But again, you want to reach out and sit down with someone to really look into the situation with you. But thank you for reaching out to the podcast. All right, uh, Sherry's next. Says, I almost got out of the market before it dropped down recently. Now I'm back to where I was before. Should I go ahead and get out now? No. <laughs> <laughs> next question. Uh, yeah, no, don't. I know it's painful. I know it's not fun to look at, but it, it, you can't have – you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You can't look in arrears when it comes to stuff like this, Sherry. But hopefully you kind of had your risk tolerance pinpointed so you should know what your exact number is. So if the market has gone down, you should know, okay, I'm down 18%. Is that within my risk of a downside versus an upside? And and you need to you need to know that. So if you're still within that standard deviation that, that nerdy word that us advisors like to use if you're if your standard deviation if your returns are still within that one or two standard deviations out then you should be you should be fine but you need to know what that number is um, so I would not get out because you're definitely going to lock in your losses that that is that is very cliche but it is 100% accurate if you get out of the market because where people's long-term returns are hurt the most is the days of recovery 
that you miss out on. And those sometimes happen, and there's stats on this, but that happens a lot of times after big correctional days. So if you're sitting on the sidelines on those big correctional days, then then you're going to miss out and your returns from a long period of time, from a long time horizon, are going to be missing out. I mean, I'm looking at my phone right now and I know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy how how the markets work, but I mean, it's up almost a thousand points today. That's, that's ridiculous. Um, and, and it's all because inflation data is not quite as high as anticipated. Well, if you're sitting on the sidelines, Sherry, you're going to miss out on some of that on some of that recovery. Now that's just one microcosm of one day, but do that over a lifetime and, and your returns are a whole lot less. So just, just stay the course, just make sure you're allocated properly. If you're a moderate investor, make sure you're not aggressively invested. Don't chase returns if you can't handle the downside. So that's where really pinpointing what you are is more important than getting in and out of the market. Yeah. It's a great, great point. All right. Last one here from Lenny says, I'm embarrassed to ask this question because I know there are people who have actual problems with money that would love to be as fortunate as I've been. But I'm wondering what you do once you're in your 70s and realize you have more money than you'll ever be able to spend. I have three kids and I guess I'll probably just inherit all of it. But in a weird way, almost I'm almost sad that I didn't enjoy life a little bit more along the way instead of working so hard to save up all this money that now I'll never use myself. That is a fantastic question, Lenny. <laughs> I yeah. don't get those very often. That is awesome. Oh my gosh. This could be a long winded answer, hmm. Lenny, but one, okay, maybe pay for, it depends on your health right now, Lenny. I mean, my dad's 75 and that dude could go all day long. Uh, so you still have time. Like you still have time to do things. So if you want to create experiences, say you have three kids, well, take them all on a vacation with you. Take them to, with an experience with you. So time, you still got time, Lenny. The, like use up some of that money. That's, that's a great problem to have. But it, it sounds like you're going to create a legacy here. So if you haven't seen an estate planning attorney along with your advisor, please do so because there are so many different things that you can do to give to charities, to um, creating certain irrevocable trusts or revocable trusts. Or, um, I mean, there's just so many things you can do that you can control these this money that you have obviously been put in possession of and been very good with because uh, you are in a fortunate situation. But create some of these trusts where you control, they call it controlling it from the grave. So when you do pass, you still have control on who gets the money, how much, and when. That's the beauty uh, of, of creating that legacy is they don't get now, I don't know your three kids. They may be completely financially responsible, but usually if you have three kids, there's going to be one. That's not. That's just the, the law of averages. You're going to have probably one that does not. So that way you can control, okay, how much they get when they have to meet certain thresholds in life or at certain ages or do certain things, then then they get that money. So it's almost like an incentive or reward instead of getting this pile of money um, as soon as you pass away. So, man, you got so many opportunities to... Uh, to, to do some planning for yourself. Again, you still got today, Lenny. Go do something. Uh, spend some of that money. But then give it to charities if you have a cause, if you have a foundation. I mean, that's a, that's another thing, a family foundation, a donor-advised fund. Uh, oh, my gosh. Again, I, I could get on my soapbox, Lenny. But, um, yeah, you got tons of planning opportunities here. So 
it's hard to read tone in some of the questions that I'm that I'm given, but it doesn't sound like you have a woe is me tone, but I want to nudge you a little bit to, you, you got some things you can still do in life. Uh, so use some of that money, spend it on experiences, not possessions, not, not things, because that won't mean crap. Uh, when you pass on this earth, you can't take it with you anyways. So create experiences with those kids. If you have good relationships with them, create experiences with them, but really do some legacy planning and, and leave a legacy to your family or to a charity or to a cause. You got a lot of stuff you can do, Lenny. So kudos to you. Uh, if, Love to have a conversation with you because I just want to find out what you've done and what you want to do. Uh, but if you've got an advisor, sit down with them, sit down with a state planning attorney and map this stuff out. Great question, Lenny. Good spot to be in and uh, really a, kind of a, a lesson for a lot of people to, to take from that. So thank you for that. Again, we appreciate all your questions. If you have them for us, you can always send them in. Blackoakam.com is the website. But if you want to call Ryan and his team directly, you can do that at 470 470- Five zero eight zero five zero eight, and don't forget you can just schedule your retirement coach three hundred and sixty session online right now. Very simple. So, we again we love all the questions, appreciate all the feedback we get, and if you haven't subscribed to the show, please do that as well. Ryan, we'll get out of here as always. Enjoyed uh, listening to you break these things down, and uh, and we'll do it again soon. Yeah, mailbag's good stuff. So y'all keep sending the questions. I think I wrote these names down: Alan, Ronald, Mary, Dana, Sherry, Lenny. Good job. Uh, keep sending those in. So. Yeah, we'll try to get to as many of these as we can, but we love doing these mailbag shows because it's just a variety of topics and hopefully it resonates with some of you out there. Yeah, no doubt. Well, thank you for listening to Perfect Game Retirement for Ryan Ledden over at Black Oak Asset Management. I'm Ben George. Take care. The Perfect Game Retirement Podcast is brought to you by Black Oak Asset Management, serving the greater Atlanta area with offices in Alpharetta and Macon. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledden, and to learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Please consult with a qualified professional before taking any action. Securities and registered investment advisory services offered through Silver Oak Securities, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Black Oak Asset Management and Silver Oak Securities, Inc. are not affiliated.